in such a great way. There's such an overshadowing of His presence. A little bit of a base on it. There's such an overshadowing of His presence. And, and uh, I'm going to go to the book of Joel. I'm, I'm not real sure where the Lord's going to lead me. And uh, how the Lord's going to bring this Word out. But I tell you, I feel such a great working and awakening of God's Spirit in my soul. And I feel such a cry coming out of my spirit. Because we've reached that place that we got to have a visitation in the earth. You know, everybody's talking about revival. I'm not talking about revival. It's not what I'm talking about. And I told somebody here the other day, I said, this generation's been given nothing to revive. Whether you agree with that or not, that's up to you. But we hadn't seen a move of God, I mean a real move of God in this country since Azusa Street. And that was 1906. And so here we are, a hundred and, what, ten, twelve, thirteen, hundred and thirteen years later, and there's nobody left alive from Azusa Street to revive. So we got to have more than a revival. We got to have a restoration. And I've been telling people for several years now that there's coming an outpouring of the Spirit of God that's going to restore what God done at Pentecost because. That was what the church was founded on. I'm so tired of all this teaching that just tells people when they get the Holy Ghost, they speak in tongues. That does nothing but distract people from what the Holy Ghost truly is. The Holy Ghost is the true Spirit of the resurrected Christ. And there's a Scripture in Romans 8 Verse 11 says, If the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead to dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken or make alive your mortal bodies. And people quote that all the time, and they relate it to what they have called the Holy Ghost. We do not have the Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead. Because you did, you'd be living a whole lot different than what you're living right now. You'd be doing a whole lot more because when that Spirit raised Him from the dead, it gave Him power over all principalities. Gave Him power. Matter of fact, I'll just leave Joel right there. We'll just go to Romans 8. I'm going to follow the leadership of the Spirit of God. I might talk to you 15 minutes, and I might talk to you three hours in 15 minutes. Just depends on where the Spirit of God takes us. But it's time for people to know the truth. I am so sick of all this, what I call religion. People go to church, and every time they go to church, they start the service out with some little old lifeless prayer. Then they go into singing, they go into testimony service. Spend an hour and a half singing and entertaining, no leadership of the Spirit, 
Let me tell you something. When you step out there and you're leading the service and you make the statement, anybody got a song? You're going to get plenty of people that want to sing, but who's led by the Spirit? It ain't as anybody want to sing. It's God speaking to you because you prepared yourself in prayer to lead that service. And you know by the Spirit of God who to call on to sing. Not does anybody have a testimony. That's religion. You want to bind the service up? You step out there and say, has anybody got a song? Anybody got a testimony? Y'all going to find out the devil comes to church more than God's people. And it's the devil's delight to get somebody up and bind up the working of the Spirit of God. It's the devil's delight. And he works through religion and people do it all the time. Whether you like it or not, that's up to you. We have got to come into the house of God, go to prayer... Seek the face of God for the mind and the moving of the Spirit, and then let God order who's going to sing and who's going to testify. And if the minister's there to preach and God moves different, so be it. But let the Spirit of God have its way. It's time for the Spirit of God to have its way. But until we get on our knees and start crying out for God to restore us and take us back to the faith that was once delivered to the saints, it ain't going nowhere. You cannot let people that are carnally minded, that their lives are out of order, continue to step in the pulpit and sing and worship and try to lead people. How you being carnally minded and your life is out of order. You have not prayed. You have not sought God. You have no leadership of the Spirit. How are you going to lead people in holy worship? I said, Brother Metter, you like it or you don't. Because there's a lot of you out there that are listening to me. You'll say amen. You know what's true. You know what's true. Every time you go to church, same folks sing, same folks testify. Call on somebody to sing, you can sit there, you know exactly what they're going to sing. You know what they're going to say. You can go back six months later. Same thing. Same thing. Kind of like I heard a preacher talking one time. He said, this man... Said he lived alone, so he got him a parrot. And he took that parrot to church, and that parrot learned the word. He said sometimes that parrot even talked in tongues. And said so he didn't want to go to church one night, so he slipped off to the movie theater. Said he snuck the parrot in under his coat, and he got in there, he put the parrot up on his shoulder. And said so they come to an intermission in the movie and the parrot was sitting up there asleep. And said so they turned the lights on, turned the music up. They did. The parrot woke up and stretched his neck, looked around and said, Church! 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 He said, Shh! He said, This ain't church. We ain't at church tonight. With the movie theater. He said the parrot stretched again, fluffed his feathers, looked around and said, Same crowd! Same crowd! Same crowd! Same crowd! 
God's people are so carnally minded and so caught up with the things of life that they don't spend time seeking God. They don't spend time giving their self. And what did the Word of God tell us? If you get caught up in the cares of this life, it'll choke the Word. And you will become unfruitful and bring forth no fruit to perfection or maturity. Something got to change, children. God ain't going to change you if you don't want to be changed. But I'll tell you what God is going to do and what God is doing right now. God's going to find the people. God spoke in His Word. He said, I'll call the people out of the Gentiles. He said, I'll have a people among the Gentiles that's going to know my name. Right now, God is raising the people up among the Gentiles. They may not know the power of God that you know. And I'm going to get to that here in just a minute. But if you go to Romans, the 8th chapter, and you go down to the 11th verse, it says, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead shall dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. That word quicken means make alive your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. And then you go over to Ephesians, the first chapter. I thank God we've just about got everything ready in our studio that the Lord has helped us build. And we're gonna st- I'm going to start teaching on YouTube. And I'm going to start teaching people the truth of the Word of God. And it's up to you whether you receive it or not. I'm not going to argue with folks. All these people getting all these arguments about all this stuff, they ain't pleasing to the Lord. When Paul went in among them, he disputed with them. He quoted the Word. And then if they didn't receive it, Paul went on. Go argue with you about your doctrine. Because when the truth is preached, signs and wonders and miracles, deliverance happens to confirm God's Word. In Ephesians, I'm sorry, it's not four, it's one. Sorry, my mind jump tracks. Verse 19. What is the exceeding greatness of His power to us, or toward us who believe? According to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ, when He raised Him from the dead, and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places. When... That Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead entered into Him. It raised Him up. Raised up that dead body. Raised up that dead soul. Brought Him forth. And then when it brought Him forth, it said it set Him in heavenly places. Set Him in a realm of the Spirit. The Bible tells us we can sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We can sit in realms of the Spirit in Christ. Amen. We can sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We can sit in them heavenly places. We can sit in them realms of the Spirit where that man, Christ Jesus, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come. Took dominion over everything. Every doctrine of man, every religion, every religious figure, every false god. 
That includes Buddha. That includes Mohammed. That includes Confucius. That includes Zen and Tao. That includes Catholicism. And he began to put false doctrines down because what he wrote in Christ. If that Spirit was in you that done all this in Him, things would be different in your life. That Spirit ain't in you like it was in Him. It ain't in you. The Spirit raised Him up from the dead, set Him up on high, gave Him total dominion and authority over all devils, over everything that rules in heaven, in earth, and under the earth. Why? Because He stood in Matthew 28 and He said, All power now in heaven and earth is given unto Me. Amen? It's given unto Him. I remember back in, I think it was July 2015, Got up about 5 o'clock to go pray. Lord woke me up. Went in there in the office and got on my knees. I was in prayer. And all of a sudden, there's a blinding. I saw the uh, God took me out and I stood on the edge of the universe. And I looked at all the planets and everything. And everything, all the planets were wobbling. They were out of time. They was out of orbit. They were moving slow. They were lethargic like they couldn't hardly move. And all of a sudden, a blinding explosion happened took me three or four minutes to clear my eyes. And when my vision cleared, everything was spinning. Everything was back in order. Everything was back in time. Everything was moving the way God created it. And the Word of the Lord came to me. He said, what I wrought in Christ when I raised Him from the dead. He said, everything was in my divine order or man sinned. He said, it put everything out of my divine order. Messed everything up, slowed everything down, got everything out of my time. And he said, but when I raised my holy child from the dead, he said, it put everything back in my divine order. Put everything back in the order I created it in. And then he spoke to me out of Ephesians 1 and 20. He said, what I wrought in Christ, when I raised him from the dead. What he wrought in Christ, he wants to work in you. He wants to work in you that dominion, that authority. That's what the kingdom of heaven is. The kingdom of heaven is that ruling reign that rules up there. That very spirit now that dwells in Jesus. He wants to bring it into here. He wants to bring it in here. If Christ is in you, the dominion's in you. The authority's in you. The power is in you. Are you hearing me? Over all God's creation, it may not be there in the fullness, but there's a measure of it. All people got is a little taunting tongues. And they call it the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of the resurrected Christ. You ain't going to live in defeat and discouragement and sickness and disease with a measure of the true Spirit of Christ in you. You ain't going to do it. All this mess is religion. All this mess has got people's minds distracted from the kingdom of God, distracted from what God really wants to do. When God created man in the beginning, He set up His kingdom on earth. That was the kingdom. That's where it started. Because God gave man total dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over everything that creepeth on the earth. God set man over the works of His hands in the beginning. And when man sinned, He messed everything up. But now, since God sent Jesus, He's put everything back in order the way He wants it, and He's made the way back to the Father. Why do you think Jesus said in John 14, I believe it's verse 6, He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except He come through me, I'm the door. That ain't a salvation scripture. That's bringing man back to that place in God where He was created. That's reconciling man.
I told somebody, I think it was last year, I preached on the reconciliation. And 46 years I've served God, and I've never heard anybody preach on being reconciled back to God. 46 years I've never heard anybody preach on the reconciliation in 1 Corinthians 5, and you go from verse 17 all the way to 21, and it talks about becoming a new creature. said you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. How are you a new creature in Christ Jesus? Except you be reconciled where God created man. Except you be reconciled back to the Father, and get back in that position of authority and dominion. Except you get back to what God created man for. God didn't create man to walk around here in defeat and sickness and disease and turmoil. God created man to walk in His power and His authority and His glory. And I'm telling you one more time, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. One more time, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But a revival ain't going to do it. You know, when I grew up, there was men that had gifts of God. They had the gifts of divine healing. But all they preached was faith. All they preached was healing. All they preached was believing God. They didn't teach people how to live. And that was back in the 40s and 50s and going into the 60s. Y'all realize that was 50 going on 60 years ago? That's 50 going on 60 years ago that that move came. And that's been the last real move of God that America's seen. It's time for a restoration. We owe this generation a move of God. We owe this generation a revival. We owe this generation a visitation. Me for one, I'm going to fight for it. i got kids and grandkids need an act of God. i got kids and grandkids need a work of the Spirit of God in their lives. And I'm going to keep praying till I move God, until I touch God. There's got to be a working of the Spirit of God stand up against all this confusion and all this division and all this backbiting. Paul prayed, stop their lying tongues, shut their mouths. Shut their mouths and stop their lying tongues. And Paul said, you bark them that cause division among you. Y'all hear what I'm saying? God God now going to mark people that cause division. And I'm praying again. I'm praying for God to take them down. I'm praying for God to stop their mouths, shut their lying tongues, stop them, keep them from sowing discord. The Word of God says there's six things that God hates. The seventh is an abomination in God's sight. And that's he that soweth discord among the brethren. All this jealousy, all this envy, all this strife, all this bickering and fussing and backbiting is wrong. And God's putting a stop to it. And God is turning to a people that don't know Him in the power we know Him, but they know Him in a knowledge. They know Him in a wisdom and an understanding of what they know, but they've never seen God revealed in power. And this is what God dealt with me about this morning. Now I want you to go to Acts, the tenth chapter. I don't know that I've ever preached on this in the forty-seven years that I've walked with God, but I can tell you, God gave me one scripture out of this tenth chapter, and I preached on it in Oklahoma City in nineteen eighty-five. We started the service at. 5.30 in the evening and didn't come out of that service nearly midnight. And that was Acts 10.44 and I preached on and when Peter spake the word the Holy Ghost fell. And I'm going to tell you when I preached that word you can ask my wife man the Holy Ghost started falling. I mean it started falling people stacked up on the floor like cordwood. 
people coming off the streets and got saved. The Spirit of God just started drawing people. And I mean, there at the end of that service for about two and a half hours, there wasn't nothing but the Holy Ghost falling. And I went and laid hands on people. God delivered people, healed people, set them free, made them whole, touched their lives, changed them. And out of all things, and that spirit was moving like it was moving. I prayed for somebody and they went down. I leaned over to lay hands on them, ripped the seat of my britches, slap out. And I took my suit coat, wrapped it around me, tied a knot with the sleeves, and I kept on ministering. I wasn't about to let the devil enter that. It was in Oklahoma City, first time I ever preached there. But I'm going to tell you, God rocked that place. There are people still talking about that meeting today. You know why? Holy Ghost came down. Holy Ghost came down. Y'all just might as well get ready. I ain't talking about this junk people call the Holy Ghost. I ain't talking about all this blubbling and crying. and I ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Spirit of Christ that's going to come in and change people's lives. Going to change you, heal you, deliver you, set you free, make you whole. That's what I'm talking about. Reality of God moving in. That God's going to begin to deal with men's hearts and restore the spirit of prayer. People are going to go back to prayer and seeking God. Why? Because God made a promise in the book of Joel. He said, I'll restore to you the years. I'm fixing to get a chance to teach on the book of Joel because people got Joel all out of order. They got Joel so out of order. And they think Joel 2.38 is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on them Pentecost. Now you go back to Joel 2.33 and dead Pentecost already happened. Go ahead and read it. Go ahead and read Acts, uh, Joel 2.23. And see where it says, For the Lord said, I've given you the former rain moderately. That means in moderation. That means in a measure, the former rain had already come. Y'all know how to read? Read the Word. It said, For I've given you the former rain moderately, but I will cause to come down for you the former rain, the rain, and the latter rain, which we've never been given the latter rain. In the first month. The first month, the Lord told me, is a sign of a new beginning. Because that was the first month of the Jewish calendar. And it's in the spring of the year. See, Jewish calendar don't start with January like ours does and everything's dead. It starts in spring when everything's coming alive. So God said in the first month when everything starts coming alive, when a, there's a new move of my spirit. He said, I'm going to pour out on you the rain, the former and the latter rain. That means the former rain had already been given in moderation. That means the day of Pentecost had already happened. Well, you believe it or not, study it out. Study it out! And then he went on down to verse 25, and he said, I'll restore to you the years. Do y'all not realize since the Holy Ghost was poured out to right now that Every doctrine and tradition of man that has come in to hinder the working of the Spirit of God, all these false prophets and false teachers that's led people off in there, there's your caterpillars. There's your pommel worm. There's your canker worm. There's your locusts that's come in and eat up everything God's people had. I mean, I even go back when I was a boy. People prayed. People sought God. People used to come in the church an hour and a half, two hours early and get on their knees and pray. Me and my wife first got married back in 82. We used to go to church and get the altar an hour and a half, two hours before service, and then spend another hour or so in the altars after church. People don't do that anymore. They ain't got time. Too caught up in their flesh. 
too busy wanting to have good fellowship. I want fellowship, but I want it with the Lord. I want holy communion with God. I said, Brother Metter, this, this word ain't going to endear you to folks. It may not endear me to folks, but I'm going to tell you something or somebody out there going to hear. Somebody out there hungry going to hear this word. They're going to hear this word. Because they're tired of the deadness. They're tired of the junk. They're tired of going to church and, and people trying to entertain them. People trying to work up a shout. People trying to work up emotion. Let me tell you something. Drama and emotion ain't the Holy Ghost and it ain't the anointing. That's all people got now. They want to preach with drama. They want to preach in emotion. And they will pray for people out of emotion, shed a few tears. That don't bring deliverance. The Lord said the anointing will destroy the yoke. The only way you get the anointing is through prayer and seeking God, coming before the Lord in a dedication. Brother Matter, this ain't going to make you no friends. It may not make me no friends, but somebody's going to follow God. Somebody's going to follow the truth. And I believe there's a lot of people out there sick to death of religion like I am and tired of going in church and it's the same old, same old, same old, same old. Kind of like that time I was preaching down Savannah, Georgia and I stopped and I said, does anybody know definition of insanity? I think a little nine-year-old girl or boy, I can't remember now. Was it a boy? A little nine-year-old boy back on one of the back rows. He raised his hand and said, I do. I said, what is it? He said, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. <laughs> I said, that's exactly right. We go to church and we do the same thing over and over and over. Pray the same prayers. Preach the same word. Lay hands on the same people. And they blubber and squall and jabber in tongues. And I mean no disrespect to the real Holy Ghost. But there's people gone to church for 25 and 30 years. The Spirit of God moves on them. They, you still hear the same few syllables out of them if you hear anything out of them at all. Same few phrases. I used to walk the streets and preach with a, a, a man that uh, he never had a real deep experience in God, but he had a, uh, you know, an initial experience with God, and he had the same few syllables in tongues. And every time the Spirit of God moved, he'd, he, he, those few syllables would come out of him. That ain't a language. That ain't a language. That's God teaching you a language. But you've got to let God teach you. I mean, it's just like your kid gets old enough to talk. They don't just stand up and all of a sudden blurt out a sentence 40 words long. First thing they do is make sounds, what we call phonics. And then it's a race between mama and daddy. Say mama. Mama, 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 mama. Say daddy. Da, 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 da. Trying to get them to teach, teach them them phonics, teach them how to form them syllables. They don't just start talking. If they did, that blow y'all's minds. <laughs> well, when the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost, they didn't start speaking in languages fluently. They got stammering lips. They formed syllables. They formed words. Then they formed sentences. Then the Spirit of God began to speak to them the wonderful works of Christ in their own native tongues. People's got this thing right in backwards. Trying to tell people the evidence of the Holy Ghost is speaking in tongues. And all the evidence of the Holy Ghost is the life, the Spirit of Christ, and the fruit of the Spirit it talks about in Galatians 5. That's what, the, that's what the Holy Ghost is. If Christ be in you, if Christ be in you, amen, then you're going to produce Christ. You're going to produce Christ. You're going to bring forth Christ. You're going to speak like He spoke. You're going to preach what He preached. You're going to have faith He had. Amen. The Bible said, We're bone of His bone, flesh of His flesh. 
I say we're bone of His bone, flesh of His flesh, spirit of His spirit, word of His word. Why? He's in here. He's in here. He's your life. He's, the, he, he's your spiritual life. When an apple tree set dead all through the fall and into the going into spring, then it starts putting on leaves and starts blooming and sprouting, it brings forth what that sap produces. That sap's the life. You don't take a red apple tree and it brings forth yellow apples. If that sap is going to produce red apples, that's what that tree's going to produce. It's going to produce the fruit of what's causing the life in it. If Christ is in you, you're going to produce Christ. Amen. The Bible said, let the root go downward and the branches spring forth upward and bring forth fruit. You, you, you can't produce fruit of what ain't in you. Y'all hear what I said? You cannot produce fruit of Christ unless Christ is in you. So don't say if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead be in you unless you're going to produce it. Unless you're going to produce it. Amen? Unless you're going to produce it. Now I think I said I was going to Acts the 10th chapter. And I'm going to the first verse. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. A centurion of the band called the Italian band. So he was a Roman. He was a Roman soldier. He was a centurion. And if I remember right, that means he, he ruled or, or led a hundred men. Centurion century is a hundred. Now, if I got my facts wrong, I'll figure them out and tell you I'm sorry later. But a centurion was usually one that led a hundred men. Men. But look what it says about him. Though he was a Gentile, though he didn't know who Jesus was, though he didn't know nothing about the power, the miracles, the deliverance, the salvation, he was a devout man. And one that feared God with all his house. Which gave much alms or much money to the people and prayed to God always. Y'all, y'all, see, y'all see this? Acts 10, chapter 2, verse. A devout man. One who feared God with all his house. Which gave much alms or much possessions and money to the people. And prayed to God always. Man, he put some Pentecostals to shame. He put some folks confessing Christ to shame because they don't even do this. Said the man was devout and feared God. You can't hardly find people now that fear God. Oh, they'll tell you they do, but they don't do it in actions. I don't care what your mouth says. I want to see some. I want to see some actions. Amen. Words are cheap. I want some actions. Verse three. And he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. There this Gentile was. This Roman soldier didn't even know Christ. And an angel of the Lord stepped in his room. <laughs> Called him by name. So evidently God knew him. Evidently God knew who he was, whether he was a Jew or not. God knew who he was. He said, Cornelius. 
And the man, when he looked on him and was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? You know, I've had these people talk about having angels visiting them, being in angels' presence. And I remember one woman years ago, Lord, you talking about a fruitcake. Talking about uh, telling me how the angel of the Lord come down, sat down at the table with her and eat breakfast, and she just enjoyed her time. That angel talked to him. I said, ain't what the Bible says. The Bible said when the angel of the Lord uh, walked in the presence of people, they fell on their faces dead men. They were afraid. There was a presence of God that made you reverence and fear. Boy, y'all going to love me today, I can tell. I'm tired of the junk. I'm tired of the junk in the house of God. And I preached on this years ago, but the Lord started dealing with me the other day. He said, there's too much junk in the trunk. And I preached on that back in our church in Alabama years ago. And I'd never heard the phrase before, but I guess it's a common phrase. But the Lord spoke to me. He said, there's too much junk in the trunk. I said, Lord, what are you talking about? He said, there's too much going on in people's lives. They don't have time for me. they got too much junk going on. You know, when we, when we get some free time, instead of setting aside that time for God, we find something to entertain ourselves. Find something to entertain our flesh. We don't, we don't take that time to walk with God. When Paul wrote in Galatians 5, and he says, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, you look up that word walk, and it means to occupy things pertaining to. So if you occupy things pertaining to the Spirit of God... That's prayer, that's study. There made me some fasting and they're seeking God, applying the Word of God to your life, searching that Word to get understanding of it. That's why the Bible said, Study to show thyself as approved, a workman unto God that knows how to rightly divide the Word and you need not to be ashamed. We don't have anything to deliver to this generation. That's the sad part. But we, I'm going to tell you, we've got to get some because there is a house of Cornelius being made ready. There's a high, I, y'all, y'all, you hear me? There's a house of Cornelius being made ready. The Lord spoke it here in prophecy right here at this church. He said there's a house of Cornelius in L.J. He said there's a house of Cornelius in Calhoun. He said there's a house of Cornelius in Fort Payne. He even said there's a house of Cornelius down there where we live in Conyers. God has a people. God has a people. And He's now ready to visit them. This is God's time. This is God's season. I ain't trying to help folks that don't want help no more. You know, every time God moves, we go try to get people that we've went to church with all our lives. No supposed to be serving God. And you try to you try to stir them up and get them out of their junk. Most people don't want help. They already got all they need in God. They know all they need to know. And you ain't going to stir them up. You ain't going to help them. Because they're, they're bound in religion. They're satisfied right where they're at. They're at ease in Zion. And that's where they're going to stay. But there's a hungry people out there. This man didn't know about Jesus. This man was a Gentile. He was unclean in the Jews' sight. And it was against the Jewish law for them to even keep company with or come in among people that weren't Jews. It was against their law. You get put to death for doing stuff like this. Verse 4, And when he had looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And the angel told him, said, Thy prayers and thy alms or thy giving has, are come up before a memorial, before God. 
I get tired of people fussing about giving. Always fighting about tithe. Always fighting about giving. Don't want to do this. Don't think this is right. Don't think that's right. Let me tell you something. The angel of the Lord told that man right there. said, your giving has come up before God as a memorial. Your giving. What you've done to God, toward God, and to these people, God's seen it and it's come up as a memorial before God. God sees your heart, man. Let me tell you something. If you love God and you got no stingy spirit, there's something wrong with your relationship with God. Because the Lord plainly said in His words in Proverbs, He said, Honor the Lord with thy substance. That means everything you got. Honor the Lord with it. And the first fruit of all thy increase. Look up the word first fruit. And it'll go to a tenth. It'll go to a tithe. On the most part. So in other words, the Lord said, Honor me with your substance and with the tithe of everything I give you. All your increase. Everything you get increased with. God said, honor me with it. Ain't under the law. Ain't under the law. Abraham met Melchizedek and gave him a tenth. After he whipped all them kings, took all their possessions. Melchizedek come with him with bread and wine. <laughs> if I remember the Scripture right, and Abraham honored him with all the spoil, with the tithe of all the spoil of the battle, which was, ain't no telling how much money, how much cattle, how much possession. Because I'm going to tell you something, when them men like Abraham and David, you go back and, get, and you get to figuring what David laid up for the house of God, you go back looking at the weight of the silver and the gold and the iron and everything David laid up, and a talent is 125 pounds, 100 to 125 pounds. And you look at all the talents of silver and gold David laid up, it'll go into the hundreds of thousands and millions that David laid up and give to God and prepared for the house to be built. You don't want to give to God. You don't want to give to the work of God. You stingy. There's something wrong with your spirit. Well, Brother Matt, everything I got, I work for. No, God give you the health. God give you the mind. And God give you the strength to have everything you got. If you can't honor God with it, there's something wrong with your relationship with God. Ever since I, before I ever come to the Lord, when I was a young boy, I was a giver. When I come to the Lord, I was a giver. And there are many times, my wife will tell you, the first few years we was married, everything God gave me, I give 50% back to Him. If it started with nothing, but gave 50% back to God, and God has blessed me. And the reason God's blessed me, I'm a giver. I'm a giver and I walk up right before God and I do my best to keep the Word. And I ain't going to argue with you about giving. You don't believe it? Don't do it. I believe it and I'm doing it. God's blessing. God said it, I believe it. That settles it. Amen. Verse 5. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside, and he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. See, the man believed God, loved God, prayed, done good deeds. He might have heard the baptism of John. We don't know what he heard. But he didn't know Jesus. But he still loved God. And evidently God loved him. Evidently, God loved him. Because the Lord sent an angel to him told him what to do. At the same time God was talking to him, God was talking to Peter. Yeah, God was in two places at the same time. Peter's up on the housetop praying. 
Went into a trance and in a trance. He went into a vision. Saw that sheet let down four corners full of unclean animals. It was against the law for any of the Jews to eat. And the voice spoke to him and said, Rise, Peter, slay and eat. He said, Not so, Lord. He said, I've never eaten anything unclean. I mean, even when Peter was a fisherman, wasn't even with Jesus. He kept the law. He said, I've never eaten anything unclean. Three times that happened. And last time the Lord spoke to him, said, What I have cleansed, called on not coming or unclean. Why did he tell him that? Because he's fixed to send him to the Gentiles. He said, If I've cleansed it, it ain't common or unclean no more. See, they looked on the Gentiles as common and unclean. They looked on them as dogs. But the Lord told Peter, He said, If I've cleansed it, if I've washed it in my blood, it ain't no more common or unclean. Hallelujah. When Peter come out of that vision, he was wondering what God was talking about. He said, go downstairs. He said, there's three men come. He said, I've sent them. He said, go with them, doubting nothing. Peter went downstairs. They was looking for him. They was talking to Simon, the tanner, whose house he was staying in. And Peter said, what you want? And they told him. And Peter took him into the house, which right there was against the Jewish law. Took them into the house because they were, they were Roman servants. They were servants of Cornelius. They're probably Romans. They're Gentiles. Peter took them right there into the house. The Word of God says it's against the law for Jews to keep company with Gentiles. You hear what I'm saying? It's right there in the 10th chapter of Acts. And Peter told Cornelius, he said, you know it's against our law for us to keep company with anybody that's uncircumcised. <laughs> they considered them unclean. But because God so loved. Amen. God so loved. And now I'm telling y'all, God's fixing to turn to people that don't know the Jesus we know. They may know about God. They may love God. They may reverence God with all their heart. But they've got to be told about this Jesus and this gospel of the kingdom with power and witness has got to be preached. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you don't have a witness, you might as well keep your mouth shut. When my son went to Uganda September of last year, he talked to them people over there about Jesus. I mean, he said, I talked to Muslims, I talked to Catholics, I talked to people that weren't even saved. He said, I witnessed one Muslim woman probably over 30 minutes. said, she agreed with everything I said. He said, you ready to accept Jesus? She said, no. <laughs> he said, Why? He said, what, what witness do you have in your life that your, your God's greater than my God? What you going to show me? What you going to show me that's going to convince me that your God's greater than my God? It dumbfounded him. He come back to me and said, Daddy, there's no witness. I said, you're exactly right. There's no witness. Tears ain't a witness. Tears ain't a witness. You hear me? Jerking and shouting and running and carrying on. Ain't a witness. Ain't a witness. And I'm going to tell you something. He made up his mind. He said, if I go back, he said, I'll have a witness. He said, God sends me back, I'll have a witness. Amen. 
He said, I'll have a witness. God's sending. I'm telling you, God's opening the door to the Gentiles. You better have something in you that's going to produce Christ. You better have something in you that's going to bear witness. Because in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, Paul started talking. He said, I didn't come to y'all with enticing words of men's wisdom. I didn't come to you great swelling words of men's wisdom. He said, I came for you in fear and trembling. <laughs> he said, but. He said, I came to you in demonstration. He said, my testimony is with demonstration of the Spirit and power of God. That your faith might not stand in the wisdom of men. That your faith might stand in the power of God. People's faith needs to stand in the power of God, not in the wisdom of men. I'm going to tell you something. When people see what I call a sea miracle, if they can see it with their eyes, it's like we'd go to India and we'd preach over there. We'd usually take a deaf, mute, or a blind person. You may have 30,000, 40,000 people out there. And we'd find somebody deaf and dumb or blind and we'd pray for them and demonstrate to the people that God had healed them. And they'd see them blind eyes open. They'd see them deaf, mutes talk and hear They'd accept Jesus. And boy, then they'd come by the thousands in them prayer lines. But see, that's changing too. You ain't going to have prayer lines like that no more. You're just going to speak the Word. You're just going to speak the Word. Lord told T.L. Osborne, I don't remember where he was, but I was in Brazil in 1986 when somebody gave me that book, Healing in Masses. And T.L. Osborne was killing himself because he's having crowds... 200, 250, 300 plus thousand. He said, Lord, I can't lay hands on all these people. There ain't no way. You wouldn't have time or the strength to lay hands on crowds like that. Not every one of them want healing. And the Lord said, I can heal 10,000. At the same time, I can heal one. He said, you lift me up, you preach, you demonstrate. And he said, and you speak the Word. God put that in His Spirit. He stepped out there. Preached that word. Spoke healing in the name of Jesus. He said people come off of crutches out of wheelchairs. Blind started seeing. He said thousands of people all in an instant. Started receiving the miracle. And he said people repented and accepted Christ into the hundreds of thousands every night. We have not seen a move of God. We have not seen a move of God. Your eye hath not seen. Your ear hath not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for them that love Him. But I can tell you this, as long as you keep doing what you're doing, as long as you keep going through the forms, as long as you keep going through the motions, when Paul wrote Timothy, he said, them that have a form of godliness and deny their power thereof, he said, from such turn away. I don't think God's pleased with what we're doing. I don't think He's pleased with every time we go to church. We've got it in a form, and we do the same thing over and over again, calling it a worship, calling it a move of God. I just don't believe God's pleased. And I believe God wants to change things, but, you know, we've got to let God change us. We gotta let, if we want to change, we've got to let God change us. But there is a restoring. There is a restoring of the Spirit of God that fell at Pentecost. God's going to pour it out on us because we've got to go back to the foundation. We've got to go back to the fivefold ministry. We've got to go back 
Like Paul said in Ephesians 2 and 20, we've got to go back to being built on the foundation of the apostle and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, because there's no leadership. There's no voice. People don't know what to follow. They don't know what to listen to, because everybody out here doing their own thing. There's got to be leadership. There's got to be one voice. It's got to be saying the same thing. I ain't talking about just one person speaking. I'm talking about a unity. A unity. Paul said we should have the same mind, same judgment, speak the same thing. There's got to be word. There's got to be leadership. In the New Testament, they had a body of elders at Jerusalem of the apostles and elders that governed all the churches. There's leadership. But today, everybody's doing their own thing. It's confusion. It's division. It's causing division in the body and confusion. And the Bible plainly says, where there's confusion and division, there's strife and envy and every evil work. Something to that effect. Because people are not going to come together and God's not going to move if He can't get His body together and He can't get leadership. I feel like I've obeyed the Lord today. I feel like this Word is solid. And I'm going to say this to all you that are out there watching this. We need your support. We're trying to get everything set up to begin our live streams into Africa. And I'm still lacking some equipment. Uh, we're going to need lighting on our set. God so graciously has opened the door and a lighting engineer that works in, I mean professional TV studios has contacted us and wants to help us get the right lighting to make the, the videos look good. When I talked to an engineer last week, an engineer contacted me. And he told me, he said, Brother Metter, you can have the best message in the world. And he said, if you don't present it right. He said, if your set ain't right, your sound ain't right, your lighting ain't right. He said, it sounds junky and looks junky. He said, people are going to turn you off. They ain't going to pay no attention to you. So God has graciously blessed us to have professional people give us counsel on what to do to put the gospel of Christ out there in the right manner. And I thank God for it. But we still need equipment. We still need your help. Those of you listening to this broadcast, those of you that are watching or teaching on YouTube, please, I think we've put a ticker across the bottom of the screen that gives our website and our address. Please make a donation to World Revivals. Help us preach Christ to all nations. Help us get this gospel of the kingdom out. You know, I'm going to say this, and then we're going to close. And I'm addressing you people out there as well as the people here in the church. But in 1996, and that's when I was on the evangelistic field and had a lot of equipment, a lot of overhead. People don't believe it, but at that time I was under a financial load nearly $10,000 a month. I had to raise anywhere from two to three hundred dollars a day just to keep the bills paid, keep the help paid, keep the insurance and all the obligations of moving equipment. Radio broadcast. We was on four or five radio stations back then. I was doing everything I knew how to do for God. And I had people that helped me. But the Lord told me back then, He said, There's coming a day. He said, I'm going to give you three hundred people 
It's going to help you with a hundred dollars a month. And God said they're going to be like Gideon's three hundred. Said they're going to stand with you. And they're going to fight with you. And the other day the Lord stirred my spirit. He said it's about time for me to give you that Gideon's three hundred. He said because this thing fits and go. I believe him. So if this bears witness in your spirit, and you're one of those that can make this commitment. You make this commitment. And I tell you what, you make this commitment, walk up right before God, God's going to bless you like you ain't never been blessed. God's going to bless you. He's going to bless you abundantly. Because the Bible plainly says, He that won the souls is wise. You may not go and win them, but you can help me win them. Because I'm going to win souls. Lord's already told me this live stream is going to open up all over the world. We're going to have miracles online. He said, then I'm going to send you to these nations. And you're going to go and establish churches. And I'm going to establish churches under the truth. I'm going to establish them on the book of Acts foundation. I'm going to establish them on this fivefold ministry of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and things are going to get set back in order. Because God's got to have His church in order. God's got a divine order, and the church is not in God's order. But God's bringing it back in line. Amen. You just get ready. There's a restoring of the Holy Ghost. I ain't talking about this thing we got we call the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about this spirit of the resurrected Christ that's going to come down. It's going to take its abode in us in a greater measure than we've ever known. We ain't even got what they had Pentecost, children. We ain't even got what God poured out in the former rain. And now here we are, Harlan, we want the latter rain. You can't have the latter rain if you don't have the former. Former rain's the foundation. Amen. Former rain's the foundation. You've got to have foundation first. You don't go out here and build a house and then try to put the foundation under it. It'll be a hard task. So let's get the foundation laid right. If we get the foundation laid right, everything else comes together. Paul said there's one thing. He said as a wise master builder. Paul didn't just say a builder. He said, I'm a master builder. He said, I've perfected my trade. I'm a master builder. He said, I've laid a foundation. He said, there's no other foundation can be laid which is laid. He said, no man can lay any other foundation. He said, that which is laid. That's Jesus Christ. He's the foundation. He's the foundation. And then he said in Ephesians... Second chapter, 20th verse, where we are built on the foundation of the apostle and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. Isaiah said, Behold, I lay in Zion a cornerstone. If y'all don't know anything about building, when they lay a footer, they square that footer up, pour that concrete, and then when they start laying that block, that's the cornerstone. You get that square, you be sure everything's perfectly square. And everything else will line up. You get that cornerstone out of square, nothing comes together right. You haven't cut everything. But you lay that cornerstone square, every board fits in place. You lay your floor joist out, your plywood fits just right, your walls fit just right. If you don't, then you got to cut everything. Slows you down, messes you up. Haven't bit and piece everything together. I've never seen... Yeah, I better stop right there. <laughs> Things are so many bits and pieces put together in man's doctrine and tradition and junk. Because I'm going to tell you, God's going to start all over. And I was telling people last night, I said people fixing to miss the move of God. 
Fixing you can't make a move with the Spirit of God. You you just need to quit trying. You ain't gonna shout it, you ain't gonna jerk it, you ain't gonna tongue talk it, you ain't gonna bring it together like you want to bring it together. You cannot make a move of God. It's not by power and it's not by might, but it's by my spirit, saith God. So if you're one of those out there and you want to be a part of this Gideon's three hundred, because they're coming together, I'm telling you, they're coming together. Because God's preparing for this kingdom to go. And when it gets ready to go, I want everything in place. You know, back when I was on the evangelistic field, I was always before the people. I was always raising money to do something for God. And people helped me because I was out there in front of them. When I started pastoring, I got off the field, got where I wasn't in front of people much anymore, and our donations dwindled. But there's hundreds and hundreds of lives out there when I was evangelizing. They'll tell you, God changed their lives. God healed them. God delivered them. God set them free. God delivered them from alcohol and drugs and problems. And He's he going to do it again. He's going to do it again. God didn't call me to pastor again. God called me to be an apostle and declare this word all over the world. And I'm going to do it. God be my help, my grace, my strength. And you stand with me and support this. You're going to help me preach this gospel to the ends of the earth. And I'm going to do it with a witness. I'm going to do it with signs and wonders and miracles. I'm going to do it with God manifesting. And I'm going to preach the Word and God's going to confirm it with signs following according to the book of Mark. Amen. God bless you. Let's go to prayer. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the working of Your Spirit. I thank You for the moving of the Holy Ghost. God, I've just done what I felt in my spirit. God, I felt led to talk about this house of Cornelius because I know it's on us. God, I know it's on us. And I know people stand with this Word, Lord. You're going to visit their homes. You're going to visit them with salvation and healing and deliverance. You're going to do it, Lord. God, let it be so that You give people eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand that the name of Jesus can be honored and glorified. We give You honor, Master, in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray you've enjoyed this Word. And God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.